guess what? Whether you're with a man, whether you have a business partner or whoever, an investor, you're with yourself till death do you part, literally. Fall madly in love. Welcome to the HGW Podcast, where your hosts, Zoe Sakutis and Erica Haas, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind-the-scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise to bring you information you can actually use. No shaming, no guilt, just the cold-pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And bonus... We even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Nicole Lappin, make, make it, it happen. happen. Hey. hey. <laughs> Jinx again. <laughs> Fine. I owe you a Coke, but you don't drink Coke. Uh, neither do you. Do you? I think you have an occasional. I think you're happy. <laughs> Are you a closeted Coke drinker? Definitely not. No. Um, I don't think so either, but it's just kind of funny to think about you. <laughs> Secretly sitting in my closet drinking Coke. Yeah, I don't know. I did taste a Coca-Cola when we were in Mexico last time because Mexican Coke. you know those little glass bottles. What's the glass bottles? And it's the pure sugar and... And it's the cocaine that they put in it. Totally. And you know what? It still just tasted like something that I I don't care to drink. Like it's... it's, No, no, no. I'm not interested. I'm not spending my allowance. I'm not spending my Uh -uh. like caca allowance on cocoa. Uh Uh-uh. On Coca-Cola. Anyway, we were talking about Nicole Lappin. We were talking about Nicole Lappin. And then we wound up in Mexico talking about Somehow we got on a plane and we went to Mexico and started (laughs) talking. I swear we are, neither one of us has smoked any marijuana. No, it's too early for that. And it's not even 420. Anyway, uh, it's 2.07 right now in the afternoon. I think we have a little more willpower than that. But so, okay, Nicole Lappin, make it happen. Yep is a force. She is a force. She is a force. She's written many books. She's written... I sound like Trump every time I say many. Yeah, it's, it's, many, it's many a books. word that... You know, I never... Like very many. These are adjectives we can no longer I use. I know. It's such a negative qualifier. association yeah. with this word now. But anyway, she has... like nonsense. She is a very established author. Mm. She's the Is author of Rich Bitch. She's the author of Boss Bitch, both of which are designed to really kind of give you more of a sense of power and ownership over your own shit. And your own like, financial uh, stability and, and situation. Yeah, and your workplace situation and done in a very candid and your kind of best girlfriend way, which I yeah. appreciate. And those are out right now. Actually, you can buy them now, but her most recent book is Becoming Superwoman, which you can pre-order now, but it is an amazing guide and tool to have in your box. Yeah, in Not your box. Not talk like... <laughs> Susie Orman, but she's got uh, she's got a lot of tips, and uh, you know, I I usually don't like to use the word bitch. I know, I know. I was actually you know? wondering how you felt about this whole like you know vernacular that has been. I know. With I've her. been known to sort of like stop my feet a little bit when women call other women like bitches, like even when they do it and they're kind of like, friends. "Hey bitches, hey bitches!" Like I've always had such a problem with that, and I found it to be like really upsetting on so many different levels, which is like a whole nother show. Mm. But I feel like she, Nicole, in, you know, she's kind of getting at something different. And I think the context is so different. And she's found a way to make it very empowering. And I think a very genuine, like authentic way. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it, it actually feels more like a, a community and like a sisterhood of, mm-hmm. of like just women that are, I mean, just sitting in a conversation with her. Yeah. We all, I don't know, we were really excited to be engaging and... I just, I think I agree with you. It feels, it evokes something different. It doesn't feel, it's not like basic bitch. It's like. (laughs) It's like, but it's also her personality. Yeah. Like I think when you meet her, it's kind of like, it just really comes through when you're sitting down and talking. She does, she does truly want to make sure that women are like, 
feeling empowered, yeah. you know, and like, and like enough she, to handle their finances yes. and feeling confident enough to deal with their money. Um, and so she's she's just got a way of making that word feel totally different. So thanks, Nicole, for thanks, taking Nicole. me out of my my, <laughs> for old, your bitch box. my old ways of thinking about the word bitch. <laughs> no, but it was a great chat. And I think there were some really meaningful takeaways. And in in the spirit of tax season, when everybody is like, you know, freaking out about money Ugh. and just feeling like it's... what? How do I do my taxes? How do I do my taxes? How do I get myself into this situation again? How do I get myself out of it in time for next year? I think the point is we all need to start being more honest with ourselves about, about our understanding of the way money works and the way it can work for us and kind of remove that fear of whatever it's going to be, whether it's fear of loss, whether it's fear of gain, which ultimately leads to another another fear of loss. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I think when we, she talks about how it's, you know, it's a currency and it's a current like anything else. It's energy. Yeah. She gets, she starts vibing. She starts picking up on some vibrations, some energy, but my, my, you know, we're not going to talk about it again too, too much because you're just going to listen. Yeah. But I thought that the most interesting piece for me personally was the connection between the uh, demise of many relationships. And um, I think she, she, she said the, the actual fact is that the number one reason for divorce is uh, sort of financial issues. Right. A lot of people don't typically equate, you know, a, a relationship breaking down with their financial woes. Right. But the reality is that whatever, the, it, it can often be a catalyst, even if ultimately yeah. the straw that breaks at the back is yeah. comes out in some other way. There's this undercurrent of like, you don't have the same views on money. You don't have money and yeah. the stress about that. It's super real. It's real. Yeah. Living in sort of fear, like fight or flight mode right. all the time because you not don't healthy. have money is not the sort of... It's not the way to build a healthy relationship. You no, know, and it's you not don't the way have... to build a healthy relationship with yourself. That, that no. fight or flight, fear-driven mm-hmm. motivation is, I mean, that shit is scary. It and... is scary. You feel totally out of control. And I think people don't equate, again, that sort of feeling of security and control and like stability with financial like security and wellness, wellness. and I mean, understanding. Think about it. Like yeah. you could actually like, Legitimately, you lose sleep over stuff like this. Yeah. Your cortisol is spiked over mm-hmm. stuff like this. Like it has real implications. Mm-hmm. So we just like having Nicole kind of like bring a little air of financial wellness to all of us. <sighs> yeah. Take a deep breath. Like mm-hmm. and out. She's got a great perspective. Have a listen. Tell us what you guys think. Let's let her take it away. We love this bitch. <laughs> Hey, partner. Hey, partner. You want to talk about our other partners? Wait, you have another partner other than me? There are a lot of partners in this relationship. Listen, if you want to open it up and, you know, invite people into the circle and have multiple partners, then I'm totally down. <laughs> down. Well, whether you are thirsty or hungry or just need to relax, there is actually something for everybody on our partners page, which is at htwpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of brands on there that we love and who are in return showing you some love with up to 25% off when you use the discount codes under our, you guessed it, partners, partners page. page. So we've got products like Cure Hydration, which is a hydration drink mix that is actually more hydrating than an IV drip that and made with real ingredients. Crazy. Yeah. That is totally crazy. And we've got Hungry Root, which is another amazing brand. Healthy, ready-to-eat convenience foods that are delivered straight to your door. We both subscribe Woo-hoo. and are longtime users and lovers. And speaking of using, we've got Daily Habit, which is a CBD uh, coconut-based powder that you can put into your tea or your smoothie or your coffee or whatever you need to just chill the F out. Mm-hmm which I think we all often need to do. And so again, please go to hwpodcast.com slash partners to check out all of the amazing brands that we love, many more than we just mentioned. And you'll get some amazing discounts along the way. Check it out, guys. Welcome, Nicole Lapin. Welcome. Lapin. It's Lapin. Making it happen. (laughs) Making it happen, Lapin. All right. That's how she does Thanks for coming on oh and chatting gosh, with us. We're so excited to talk to you. I love 
you boss bitches. <laughs> we have ultimate. We, I guess we kind of are. You are. 100%. Are we? Do we qualify? Hello, I wrote the book. You actually literally did write the book. Bitch. I am the expert. Okay. You are 100% boss bitches. Yeah. You also wrote the book on rich bitches. You guys want to be rich bitches too? We well, would like to be... Uh, I wouldn't bitches. say we're poe bitches. We're not poe bitches. We would like to help our listeners all think like rich bitches and get on the path. I love yeah. that. That's kind of why we to wanted to chat with you. I love it. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you've probably gotten the comparison before, like kind of the, the Susie Orman of our generation. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not um, going to, we're not going to make you do like lots of tips. We're not going to make you talk about, you know, going to a party for your kid. And I got this jacket from my cat. <laughs> That like I only think of her, by the way, like from the SNL. I know yeah. it's only Kristen Wiig. <laughs> so amazing. She's, She's my everything. Um, but, but I'm happy to talk about cat jackets or lattes or like, whatever. As long as it's in your budget. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what, what is it? People first, then things. Yeah. Then money. Then, money. then jackets. Right. Or something <laughs> like that. All right, we're gonna have yeah, to girl. attach a clip. Uh, to this. Oh, we yes, certainly please. are. To this episode. We certainly are. Okay. But we do want to talk about, I mean, we would love to have a conversation just around financial wellness. Mm-hmm. And as much as the tactical information is super helpful, and we certainly would like you to impart some of that wisdom. I don't know. It's really- often overlooked, I think, in the wellness pie. And, you know, finances have a big impact, right? On how we feel about ourselves. And so, you know, we wanted to sort of like dig into that a little bit with you. It shouldn't be ignored in the wellness pie. Yeah. You know, it's the number one cause of divorce. It, Is it really the number one cause of divorce? It leads to a ton of health issues from uh. anxiety to depression to vertigo. Like I've been on Dr. Oz a million times on the doctors, like talking about the actual health implications yeah. of stress about financial money. stress. That's, That's right. Really disturbing. It's true. I mean, the, the number one thing that couples fight about is not even kids or yeah. like dirty socks yeah. or whatever. It's or cheating or it's financial actually infidelity wow. more than that is so interesting. In my infidelity. house, we fight about karaoke, but I understand <laughs> that, that well, the financial funny. conversation can really spark some, yeah, and some then major also, heated issues. Yeah. And if you have kids, it obviously exacerbates any yeah. financial strain that's going on. So I, I think maybe it gets confused, right? People assume it's, oh, the, the, the kids are driving a wedge between us, but it's like oftentimes underlying, that makes sense. Yeah, dude. Underlying yeah. issues that are like having to do with money and how are we supporting them and how are we spending our time and our, Yeah. Well, your time is your most valuable asset. Right. Eh? Uh, you can always get more money. You can't get more time. Yeah. And kids are, uh, hello, what's more expensive than kids, really? Uh, horse. <laughs> Horses are also expensive. I was, yes. Don't ever get something that eats while you sleep. <laughs> You're me. using the Susie language. <laughs> That's my no, advice. I love it. <laughs> no, no, but horses are really expensive. <laughs> Gucci bags are expensive, but nothing is more time, money, and energy expensive than kids. It's true. And and really, it's your energy and your time that I think are your most valuable assets, hands down. Okay. So what what do you do when you sit down with someone for the first time to give them a console or to just sort of like set them on the path to success? What are what are the immediate things that you that you look at? The stuff that I talk about, a fifth grader can do the math. Getting your financial life together is not about numbers and crazy jargon. It's actually the humanities part. It's what we're talking about. It's the wellness component that is the biggest challenge for most people. It's the humanities. It's getting your friend to pay you back. It's talking to your significant other about money. It's not how to actually calculate your taxes. And so the first question that I normally ask is, what do you want? It is the most basic question, but it used to give me the most anxiety because people would say all the time, you know, what do you want to do in five years? What do you want to be in 10 years? And I was like, break out into hives. Like my armpits would start sweating, all the things, because I didn't actually answer the question for myself. You know, studies have shown that women who create a cohesive narrative for themselves and their lives are more likely to be successful. And so the reason I had so much anxiety, and I think a lot of the anxiety around financial wellness in general has to do with the fact that you don't even know what you want. It's like saying, hey, Zoe and Erica, we're going to a party in New York tonight. What would you ask me? Okay, so where is the party? What right. street is that? What are we wearing? I have totally. a lot of questions about this party. Yeah. yeah, We don't do the same thing for our own lives. It's like, if we don't know the destination, yeah. then how the fuck... Oh, am I allowed to... Oh, okay. yes, do okay. it. Okay, great. Do it. How the fuck are we going to get there? 
Yeah. Right? No, that's right. a really good and point. And so it's reverse engineering to figure out what life do you want? And then we can figure out how to get the money to live the life you want. Because you can't blanketly say, hey, I just want a million dollars, Nicole. Because people say this to me all the time, by the way. They'll be like, oh, no, no. My goal is to have a million dollars. That's it. Fascinating. What do you want to do with that million dollars? Right. Maybe you need more than a million dollars. Maybe you need less than a million dollars. I have no idea. First, figure out what the life is you want, and then we can figure out the money part. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, but that's actually the most complicated. Yeah. It's funny. I remember reading this um, study a while ago that was sort of assigning happiness to you know your income level and your salary or your net worth. And they found that there was no significant difference in the level of happiness once people mm-hmm. had met their basic needs. So it's when seventy five thousand, yeah, seventy five thousand dollars, right? It's so crazy. it's yeah, so it's about seventy five thousand dollars. I don't know, maybe roughly, a little more in New York, maybe but now, and serious. like for right, and obviously for New Yorkers. But there's this that's so crazy to me because okay, I'm making seventy five thousand dollars a year, or I'm making seventy five million dollars a year. I'm going to be no happier. But to your point, it's sort of like okay, it's not a number. It's not like I, I just want to make a million dollars. Kind of like, well, what do you want your life to look like? Well, we know a lot of rich people, right? Are yeah. they all yeah. happy? No. No. Right. And those are some of the most miserable, miserable. people. Because like the, the delta after when you get your needs met, whatever is above that is very inconsequential to your overall fulfillment and your overall happiness. You know, studies have shown that we have the equation wrong. Success doesn't make us happy. Happiness makes us more successful. Mm-hmm. We often fall. moment. Right. Hey, it's it's what I'm writing about actually in my next book a lot um, called Becoming Superwoman. It's coming out in September. And for so long, I would say, when I get there, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Or I'll, when it's I get there, I'll be yourself. balanced. It's always bargain. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll take care of myself. I'll do things when I get this job or when I get this salary or whatever. And then when you get there, it always becomes another job. Yeah, you just another keep salary. moving it down the field. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then you never get your brain to the other side of happiness. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. So, it's I mean, constant. I think we all are. I think we all are. And I think, I think what you said at the beginning is really interesting just about, you know, the narrative that you tell yourself. And I think that weaves into this kind of sort of hurdle that I think a lot of us have in terms of our relationship with money or in terms of our relationship with success, even on a broader level. And you talk about that certainly in the boss bitch book. It's about like, what is the story that you're telling yourself and how can you kind of come to terms and, and tell yourself a story that you can actually really, that serves you as opposed to serves to like block you. And I think that there's like a huge element of shame. I think that comes especially, and I don't want to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, especially with women around money, whether it's not having enough or on the other end of the spectrum, like having, you know, having it and then not feeling like it's okay to be comfortable with it. So, I mean, you know, what, what can you, what can you say to a woman who is in this position where she's dealing with these like shame issues that are serving to kind of block? Yeah. I'm just going to add, because I, I would, I would think that too. And then I just sort of had this moment where I'm like, it's not, you know, I, I think men have a ton of shame around it too just because so much of their yeah, value and fair. ego is yes. like wrapped up in it. And women are probably a little bit more comfortable, I would even say, being like, well, I don't have to be the breadwinner. Like, it's the man's job to be the breadwinner. I mean, there's certainly a lot of that still hanging around. So I think it's interesting. No, you don't think so? Okay, I do. It's not my most favorite narrative, but there no. is so much of it. And I it, hear it all the time. Yeah, but I think men especially too have a lot of shame because it's like so much of their masculinity tied their is tied in a to their, their, you know, what's in their bank account. Anyway, but just wanted to... Sure. I mean, it's like, you know, me saying that I dated a gazillionaire being the equivalent of a guy having previously dated a Victoria's Secret model. The currency, that's how we roll. I get it. But like the biggest enemy is between our ears. You can tweet that too. Right. <laughs> Damn, I didn't really tweet it. I was like, this so means I have to get a Twitter yeah. account, I guess. <laughs> but it's true. If you tell yourself you can or you can't, you're absolutely right. And I have this constant soundtrack going on yeah. in my head. I mean, I don't know. It's not tapes. It's MP3s or whatever <laughs> is going on in your Mine's head. Mine's on 8-track. It's like beta. Right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, like we have our own story. Mine is actually... Ironically, I'm going to be broke, homeless, single. I'm dying alone. I tell myself this all the time. Yeah, because I'm still, motivated by fear. I do the same right. thing. But still. You really, okay, so that's that's actually and I huge. Like, I want to work on that. 
all the time, but I'm really open about it. And I don't pretend like I've got my shit together and I always will have my shit together. It ebbs and flows. And so am I an expert in all the things money and business? I know a lot. Yeah. But I don't know everything. And anyone who says they're an expert run the other way because we're always learning and we're always fucking up. I'm fucking up all the time. And I think what's made my message resonate more with women to start talking about this really scary topic because it's so filled with jargon and fear and shame and all the things is to actually open up. And I've said my most embarrassing stories and I'm like, I I'll mean, show you mine if you show me yours. Honestly, I have to, go to say that story about the p in this book. <laughs> okay, well, let's hear it. It was, I mean, can you give like an abridged version of this story? Totally. I So jargon stuff for business is yeah. really, I think, what keeps people out of the conversation because it feels like a language. You know, if you went to China and you didn't speak Chinese, hello, you'd yeah. be confused. If you went to Wall Street, as you guys know, and you didn't speak the language of money, you would be fucking confused. There is a dictionary. Yes, say, girl. This is why I'm single. Your business um, dictionary. Because I rewrite dictionaries <laughs> on my Friday night. I yeah. love that dictionary. Yeah. I think it's Thank great. You. There's a dictionary in the back of the book. Boss there is. Bitch, and so in Rich Fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I do Fish. like the, the opposite of short is not tall, it's long, and it just means something's going in the shitter. So when you hear a shorting a stock, it just means somebody thinks it's going to go down. Like it's not complicated, but when you look it up online or in Investopedia or all these right. places, it's like, whoa, 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 I need a definition for this definition. Right. And so that's what happened to me. Like I got thrown into this world just because I needed a job. And I was like, oh my fucking God. Like I hate finance. I grew up in an immigrant household. My boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. I thought he wanted to be in gardening. <laughs> like I could not have been more clueless. It was the last thing I ever wanted to do, but I needed to figure it out. And I got my MBA at the School of Hard Knocks. And mm-hmm. I just realized that money is a language like anything else. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone for this stuff growing up. We don't learn it in school. We learn crap things. Like you guys, I mean, what do your kids know now? How to dissect a frog, how to do the Pythagorean theorem, how to make a triangle. Like oh, why is that important? Why do we need to know that? Wouldn't it be more important if we learned how to do a budget or our Balance taxes? A checkbook. Hello. Yes. You know, people say to me all the time, like, oh, I have money, I have checks. I'm like, mm. oh my God. Right, what, I'm mean, so what, scared. what does that mean? I have money, I have checks. Yeah. They're like, no, no, I have enough money. I have, like, I still have checks. My checkbook is full, yeah. so I have checks. Oh, they like, think that this the is checks- scary. That that is actual money. That's right. Mm. That's right. Okay. Your work is cut out for you. <laughs> I there is a lot of work to be done. And I think that the the scary part of it is getting through the language. So yes, that's why I sat my ass down and rewrote a dictionary because I was like, there has to be a better way. And it doesn't need to be this complicated. Yeah, it doesn't so tell need the to story. be this scary. Oh, the PL. Oh, sorry. That <laughs> okay, is so like you're, you're, yes, this yes, is yes, your so. embarrassing story. So Oh, girl. Or, or, I got or, embarrassing okay. stories for days. And, so, and that's what I thought, like, with Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch, I talk about tips and stuff, but, like, mostly we learn through stories. Like, out of everything here, we're going to remember the stories from this podcast. So the PL story, so my name is Nicole Lappin. So people call me Lappin, as, you know, people call you by the, your last name, I'm sure, or, like, your initials. So people call me NL all the time. And so I first started working on the floor of the Chicago Merck. It was my first business news job uh, as a business reporter for First Business Network, which is now bye-bye. And I was going out to do a story on these founders. And my boss at the time, who was awesome, was like, hey, do you have to P&L? And I was like, no, I'm good. I just went, I just went to the bathroom because <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee and whatever. So I'm like, okay, so bye. So nice of him to check in on me before I, I go out to the Thank floor. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah. I'm combat ready. I'm all set. And then I get to the interview and the PR woman who meets me there, I was like, hey, do you have the p And I'm like, oh shit, this woman is not asking me if I have to pee. <laughs> Clearly, like she don't know me. I mean, if she is, like we guys got real close. But I'm like, think, Lappin, think. <laughs> PNL. <laughs> what? This is something important that you don't know. And so I sit down with these founders and, you know, I asked them about like their business and whatever. And they were like, so as you see from the PNL, and I'm like, oh my God, PNL, PNL, profits and losses, <laughs> like kibbles in bits or something like that. And so for the longest time, I would still write P-N-L, which is it's P and L. Right. I didn't know that. It's a profit and loss. That's right. Statement. 
And, you and no one was, was asking me if I needed to pee. Just like M&Ms. <laughs> That's right. It's cool. Hard pee now. No, yeah. <laughs> But you know what? I, I love the fact that you shared that because that is it. That's, I mean, that that's is a teachable life. moment. It's a humiliating <laughs> moment. It's that yes. like, oh shit moment where you just want to go and crawl under a table and yeah. die. So you got to make it till you make it sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I so appreciate that you share that. And I think that that extends to like everybody just the, the whole point is, you know, you have to kind of come to terms and get comfortable with what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to not know. And then from that place, you can start building and build a foundation based on like just honesty and yeah. the fact that whoever you're asking at one point also didn't know. But I just, right. I think that- That is important to remember. You don't know what you don't know. And right. especially if you're starting a business and an entrepreneur and speaking of failure, embarrassing moments, not that that's failure. I mean, those are the building blocks of success, I would say. But how do you talk about, what advice do you give, I guess, after loss? And I know you talk a little bit about like not losing yourself when you sort of, you know, make too much money, not losing yourself in that, but like also not losing yourself in loss if you lose money, right? So just shifting a little Mm -hmm. bit and to talk about, you know, business and entrepreneurs and starting up something and not really knowing much and occasionally failing, right? We all hear the success stories, but the failures are so much more interesting. They are. I know nobody likes this. Like we all want to hear about your failure. But um, I want to talk about this. Yeah, like <laughs> Steve Jobs, like all these very successful entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, I mean, you have to remember they've had failures. You just don't know about them because they're not highlighting them, right? So, you know, we've had some. We've had some. We've had. We don't like to use the word failure. We like to use the word challenge or, or learning. Learning. Never losing, always learning. From mm, Tweet that. Yeah. Well, um, Megan gave it Megan to us. Megan gave us this. <laughs> uh, Megan Asho, founder made. Thanks, Megan. It's like, how, how? because it is so personal sometimes your business, right? So if you, if you have a product, you have a, whatever your business is, if you have a failure around it, it's often very hard to separate yourself, yourself from that financial loss. How do you navigate that? Yeah, it's like your baby. Like I don't have actual human babies. Yeah. But I have book babies. Yeah, I have business babies. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and birthing my next one is like really hard. It's like, and there's no epidural either. Yeah. You know, I started what I thought was an amazing idea, a financial smartwatch. That that does sound like a great idea. I know. I was like, this is rad. Financial smartwatch? Or was it like an app to go on your like? It should have been an app in hindsight, but it was an actual piece of hardware and software, which I didn't realize. Like I was like, oh yeah, I could make a Fitbit for money where you can track your you can track your steps throughout the day, you can track your sleep. What about Mm -hmm. calculating your money? Because, you know, we lose a lot of people have, you know, this personal budget deficit where the money they're making and the money they're spending doesn't match because you forget, oh, I paid, you know, for the coffee in cash or I paid the, you know, housekeeper. Or something was oh, automatically deducted right. and I forgot. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, right. The Netflix like, thing. We've lost all contact with money. So it's That's like, right. it's all just magically like Amazon. Like, I don't yeah. know what happens. It's it just, just shows checks. up. Like, I know. you know, Venmo and like, so <laughs> easy. Swipe, swipe, swipe. And so easy. Like, when you're, you know, on Friday night, swiping seems like everything is free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I came up with this idea. I was working with the CEO of HSN at the time. She's now at Weight Watchers, Mindy Grossman, who's like super boss bitch. We were like, we have to do some products and stuff together. And we came up with this idea and I was like, perfect. I'm going to do it because that's me. And was everybody I'm telling figure you out how to do it. It was a great idea. Yeah, it was yeah. a great idea, but I didn't test it. Mm, okay. Mm, red flag in yeah. hindsight. Um, I didn't test it. I just anecdotally thought this would be so rad. And the Apple Watch was coming out. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a thing. And I can grab some of this market share. And we have this partner. It ended up being a disaster, you know, for reasons that will last an entire podcast. But make a long story short, I had to a quarter of a million dollars or so later, I had to decide, is this worth throwing good money at a bad situation mm-hmm. or do I cut my losses? Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really difficult moment for mm-hmm. me to say, I can't fix this. You know, I think women in particular, we want to fix stuff, right? We yes. fall in love with the potential of a man and not the man himself. We fall in love with the potential of a business and it's often times that we're blinded by the reality. And so that was one of my hardest decisions because I had already, you know, had the sunk cost of a bunch of good money that could have gone to other situations. And instead of putting really 
more good money at it, I was like, we're done. We're closing this down. And I said, it didn't work. And I had to be really honest with it. It could have been an app. I could have tested it more. I could have done a lot of things. And those are lessons that I will take. Not that I'm ever going to get into the hardware or software business ever again or deal with China or all of those things, which I was blissfully unaware of getting into. Like I should have made a schmata. I should have just made a t-shirt. But now I know. But how did you... so, so, So taking that a step further, then how did you process that for yourself and kind of come to terms with it because it's not dissimilar to what Zoe is referring to with us where you had already had some success behind you. So to some degree, you had achieved already. So, you know, I think oftentimes the narrative or what you tell yourself is the next thing can only get better. And then if it doesn't, what happened to you in the aftermath of that? And how did you kind of get yourself into a different frame of mind where you weren't just stuck in that revolving door of self flagellation over something that, you know, you had to just kind of let go of. I still do that to myself. I try not to. I would be lying if I said I didn't and that I wasn't freaked out about next launches. You know, I think though that seeing death in its eye, so to speak, is a really great way to confront potential new failures or new challenges mm-hmm. because you're like, oh yeah, I've done that. Right. I've had to eat shit before. Like, I remember what that was yeah. like. And it's the same thing in, you know, with relationships that I'm now dating again. And, uh, you know, I'm nervous about getting into yeah, a bad get situation. Gun-shy. Totally. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I've dealt with a lot of intense shit. Yeah. If I, I've done it before and if I have to do it, I'll do it again. It's hard because there's also just so much, you know, there's the sunken cost fallacy that just kind of like takes over and you just kind of like keep pouring money into it. It's like to right. fix it and you make it better. Figure make out it when better. to turn off the faucet. Right. And then there's also just the ego around it too. Right. Which is, I think really, whether you, you know, want to admit it's there or not. I mean, it's there. We're all human and kind of is just, this has to work. You know, I'm going to be crushed if it doesn't. And I'm going to have to go tell all these people that I failed. And yeah. So it's just kind of really destroying. ego destroying too. And it <laughs> yeah. kind of sets you up for the next, venture in such a way that you're either, you know, you're, you're having to negotiate this like crisis of confidence based on that failure and this sort of learning, right? So you just, you're also more aware. So I don't know. It's like an interesting place to be when you come out of something like that. I don't know if it's, I guess it's kind of a mixed bag of positive and negative. Well, I look at it like I look at, you know, other, like I've I've made analogies to relationships too. Like growing up, I had a lot of trauma. Like I grew up in a very broken household. My father died of a drug overdose. My mother peaced out. Shit could not have been worse. Lifetime movie, cinematic, over the top stuff. And I can look at that and say, that really sucks. And how am I ever going to be happy? Or I can be like, you know what? I got a lot of my trauma out of the way. I just turned 35 last week. And I'm like, you know what? Thanks, ladies. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I got a lot of trauma out of the way because I think maybe we're given a certain amount of failure and a certain amount of trauma. You just, we've got them out of the way. Yeah. And you know what? It's just a different way. It's a reframing. It's totally, it's reframing your mindset. And I, I truly think, unlike having a diet where you think thin to be thin or whatever, that's bullshit get your ass to the gym. But I think when it comes to finances, I think your mindset has everything to do with it. And I think a lot of times we come to it from a place of deprivation versus aspiration. You know, in the same way as like personal finance, you'll hear all the time, don't buy a latte, clip the coupons, dig in the couch for coins. It's like, ah, that's a really scary mindset to be in. But instead, if you come to it from a place of abundance of, you know what, I'm going to make more money so I don't need to like clip the coupons mm-hmm. or not buy the latte. That changes everything. It really does. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is a lot of, you know, that kind of self-care talk around thinking of money, money as a frequency and as something that ebbs and flows and it's not fixed and it's literally currency. It's a current. So to kind of not get so hung up on what's going out because you feel like it's never going to come back to you to sort of think about it more in terms of those waves But it's really hard to get there sometimes, especially when you are on a day where, God forbid, you have to go digging in the couch because shit's not going to get paid on time. It's hard to to get out of that. But I mean, I think what you're saying just in terms of reframing it and thinking about how to, yeah, how to sort of allow yourself space to say, I will get over this. There is going to be more in the future and I'm just going to do what I need to do today to get shit 
Yeah. And it's not like every day is a good day. I think that more good days than bad days, I'm definitely winning. But you can even, I mean, it goes back to some of the other self-care advice that we've heard out there. Even if you're telling yourself, I should have, would have, could have for whatever. It could be business. It could be relationships. Like you're so mad at yourself. I suck. I'm the worst. I should have done this. I could have done that. You know what? Even if you did all of those things, even if I tested the shit out of my smartwatch, even if I did all the research and all the things, like it still could have failed. And so I think getting to the place where you're like, okay, First of all, self-judging is breaking your own heart. And so let's not do that. And the way we talk to our friends is the way we should talk to each other. Like, I would never beat you up if something, you know, happened. I'd not be like, Zoe, you suck. You're the worst. You should have done this. You could have done It's like, no, but we don't talk to ourselves like that. And so I think it's changing that narrative, Mm -hmm. that dialogue, because guess what? Whether you're with a man, whether you have a business partner or whoever, an investor, you're with yourself till death do you part, literally. Fall madly in love. (laughs) Oh boy. Yes. The self-love. It's true because by the way, too, you you mentioned the idea of how do you tell other people about the failure and that whole ego part of it. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody I'm dating um, about that whole like and I don't know by the time this airs if this will be old but like the um, or if you're you're still going to be dating yeah but, that's yeah. true but I have to like, tell you all the things um, the, the college scandal oh yes you know and oh, somebody who yeah the cheating scandal so I'm sure this will be so relevant because it's cuckoo bananas yes, yeah but somebody that was involved in that got fired and he, he's like on suicide watch basically and was like you know, had so much wrapped into his identity from like who he was in his career Mm -hmm. that once that goes away, then you're nothing. And Mm -hmm. so what I take from that is like, yes, your career is a very important part of you. This is coming from a woman who wrote the books on it, literally, but you need to fill your cup with other things. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. Like you have to balance it out with other things. And I know we hear this a lot and I'll focus on this in my next book, but you know, having a business failure of any sort, Mm -hmm. like should not destroy you. Because if it is, it's like, you know, it's the idea of codependency is like, how empty am I to be so full of you? Maybe be full of other things. Too. Right. So it doesn't feel as devastating. Yeah. Like I can always go back to karaoke. Um, <laughs> there are other things in my cup, you yes! know? There are other ways other to find joy. Cup, there are other ways to find, <laughs> to feel fulfilled. Yes. <clears throat> Podcasting. Valued. Yeah. And speaking of feeling valued, maybe we can pivot for a moment to talk about, I'm just curious. So I'm assuming that you raised money for the watch idea. No. No. Mm-hmm. Did I it. just. It was you. Just Just opened up your wallet. You were just like, okay, take it all. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, we can talk about raising money too. And I think about that a lot, but I've reinvested everything now. And I even have a show that like talks about raising money. It's, you know, it's a consumer products business reality competition show. So people pitch and we give them money or we put them in retail or we give them advice or all sorts of other things. So fun. But, you know, it's this Shark Tank effect. And I don't know if this is where you're going, but I'm guessing and I'm vibing you that like, but he thinks like, oh, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to go get money from Mark Cuban and it's going to be great. And we're going to raise so much money. And I'm just going to have to answer like the five questions they ask in that segment before the commercial. Totally. Then we're going to get a game room and we're going to get free food and it's going to be fantastic. And then guess what just happened? As you guys know, like you went into business to become your own boss and now you have a boss. Exactly. As soon as you raise that money, you're handing over the the wheel. It's so interesting. And it's not free money. It's like swiping on the credit card on Friday night when you're tipsy. Like you think the plastic is free. Like when somebody invests An infusion of cash does not necessarily mean you get a shopping spree. That's right. Right. But do you advise? I mean, would you recommend people? Is there like a point in a building a job, building a company where you recommend to go out to investors? Do you say, hold off as long as possible? Where do you come out with that? I'm super old school. I really say, I'm like a Jewish grandma. I'm like, I know, so basic. Like think about profitability instead of yeah. growth. And, you know, really try to bootstrap as much as you can. I just think it's a dangerous idea that has been proliferated by the shark tanks of the world that like raising money is the only way to start a right. business. Yeah. And it's not- We it's, never raised money for Blueprint. Um, but I, but we tried to raise money for the second venture. Yeah, that, talk about soul destroying. And so that was, so speaking of, you know, Tell just me. having this 
experience where we had a very successful business under our belt that we bootstrapped, never had to raise money, kind of managed our own money the entire time, which I think, you know, it's worth noting on this show, obviously, it's sort of like this idea when you go into, so like, size up for a minute, but when you when you go into business um, for yourself and you have a product and you're just in love with this product and you want to get it out there, whatever the business is, maybe you're not a finance person and that part of it terrifies you as it kind of did me. Mm-hmm. And you know, from the beginning, I was like, okay, well, I could just outsource that piece of it <clears throat> and hire someone immediately to handle like finances. Then I can like focus on some of the other stuff and it'll be fine. And the best piece of advice that I've ever received, I think in, the, in this world was if you're not in charge of your finances, finances of your business, then you are not running your business. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, okay, got to do it. And I was like, it's got to, you know, you can't hand that over, especially in the beginning. And as we learned, not in the middle and certainly not in the end. And so, but you're also talking specifically about making financial decisions, not in terms of actually managing the money day to day. Well, yes. So I'm talking about, right, handing over the decision-making power. Yeah. I mean, we did have support. Obviously, we hired like a bookkeeper and a director of finance at some point. Because in all honesty, there was shit that we didn't know how to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had some amazing people who were who taught us. And uh, thank God, because yeah. you don't know what you don't know. But but we never, you know, we never hired a an executive. We never hired like a CFO. I mean, so it was kind of, Kind of rare, but my point is that, so we had that success. And then the next idea, the next venture, we, we had uh, all of these, you know, investment, like family, individual, like larger firms, just like, let us know when you're ready and we're going we're, we're gonna to back you, whatever your next idea is. We went to every single one of them, pitched them our, our idea. 38. 38, which is not a lot, but... <laughs> but who's counting? <laughs> Who's counting? Rejected by every single one of them, not a dime. And every single one, every single meeting ended with, but like, we're going to wait and see. But you know what? You guys aren't going to have any money raising, raising with your track record. Any trouble <laughs> raising money. Yeah. And any trouble. Not one person would invest. I mean, what Why is do your you opinion? Think that is? Well, I mean, what was the idea? The idea was a functional food. So it was basically a merging like a breakfast bar, if you will, with a um, prenatal vitamin, which was going to roll out into a larger line of, of vitamins, right? So a full lineup, like a spectrum lineup. Um, but you wouldn't have to swallow a pill and you didn't have to eat a gummy because we're not 10. Um, so it would be this, you know, it was a functional food essentially. And there is no category for this yet. So it was a little bit confusing, which I get. Not saying it was a great idea, but I'm just saying I'm shocked at how difficult it was to get anyone to give us like even with a track record. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, I mean, to your point, like there was not as much testing as could have been done or maybe should have been done. And obviously hindsight is 2020 on all of this. Right. But we did have, you know, I mean, we had like a full chain order from a PO from Target to go in every store. We still couldn't raise a dime. I mean, it's kind of crazy. What do you think it is? That's nuts. Is it because, is it, is it? I don't know. <laughs> Who are these people? Are we, are, <laughs> where do they live? Because we're ladies. Pass I don't know what it is. I don't know. There's no I, I don't know. I don't know if it's ladies. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Um, I do think as far as the finance stuff goes, you know, I do think that piece of advice was right. If you don't have a handle on it, you really don't have a handle on your business. Yeah. And I think that's the part that a lot of female entrepreneurs get nervous about because they're like, I'm creative. I'm the artistic totally. part. I'm like, I don't have to do with that. Yeah. And that's really what gets a lot of people in trouble. And a good girlfriend of mine started this company, Tradesy. Uh, if you know what that is. Yeah, it's like um, online marketplace, buy and sell, Hermes or whatever. Yeah. Amazingness. And she went to art school. I mean, and she raised, I don't know, 100 million bucks more from Branson and whatever and figured all the things out and like got into this club of these investor guys. And she was like, you know what? I figured it out. And she's like, I know a good test of an entrepreneur is in the middle of the night, flash a flashlight in their face and be like, what's your KPI? What like really quickly, what are your indicators? And it's, you know, the truth is that's it's part of business. Like yeah. it's not Yeah. I think it goes back it, yeah. to again what you were saying. It's all uh-huh. about literacy and it's not being afraid of the jargon and it's really 
taking the time to kind of roll up your sleeves and just sit in it for as long as it takes to at least become proficient and learn that language. Even if you don't speak it, mm-hmm. even if it's you know a dead language to you in some ways and only in ancient texts, if it's something that at some point you have that translation capability then even if you're even if you're not managing it day to day as Zoe was saying but if it's but at least if you are familiar and speaking the language and able to actually enough to make those decisions then that's that's a big piece of it i think it's it's the analogy too to the relationships that we keep going back to because it's easier to like sort of grasp versus purely from a business perspective if you think your husband or significant can other is going to deal with all the finances and you're like, I'm good. I'm just going to do my part of the relationship. He's got that covered. Then what happens, God forbid, when you get divorced or he dies? That's when I see yep. most women because it's Ugh. hard to get your financial shit together proactively. Mm-hmm. And when you're reactive, that's when it's time. It's like when you get a disease, you know, then all of a sudden you want to drink juices and eat healthy and shit like that. And then it's harder to be proactive right. yeah. about it. That is the number one. Ugh, that is just the worst when I see that in friends, anyone yeah. who just kind of... I have a friend whose mom created an entire business around oh, right. it, dealing well, with yeah. women you know, much later in life who have lost their husbands, who for, you know, and this is a generational thing, I hope, but yeah, the women of our moms and, you know, grandmother's ages just assumed everything was under control. And then, you know, when the husband's passed, they're like, oh my God, I don't even know where he kept this yeah, stuff, right. let alone right. how to analyze it. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunately not a generational thing. I know. It's I, I hear it all the time. It's really nuts. I'll go to events and a ton of women will be there and their moms or whoever, and even they are fine with it. They're, they went to Columbia. They went to great schools. They're like, I just want her to marry a rich guy. Yeah. Like, I want to. Oh, come oh, on. My God. That's like the it's number one thing that my mom instilled in me. I have to say, it was like, you never, never be dependent anyone. A man is not a financial plan. No. (laughs) (laughs) The man is not a financial plan. It's really not. Yeah. No, that's burned in my brain for sure. But I think that's, it comes with, you know, your business too. It's like, you can't bury your head in the sand. And like, we see a lot of sexy entrepreneurial images, right? It's so much part of our zeitgeist. You see the cover of Forbes and Fortune and G5s and like, mentally you want to fly the G5 before you get off the ground. And like, it's become way more sexy than it's ever been. And what's cool about entrepreneurialism is that it's easier now than ever before to be an entrepreneur. The shittiest part of entrepreneurialism is that it's easier now than ever before to become an entrepreneur. Anyone can go to Kinko's and get a business card that says CEO. What does that mean? You know, and so there's a lot of great fake it till you make it. And then you have to become real. Right. Right. And I think that that illusion gets people in a lot of trouble, that it's just rainbows and butterflies and G5s right. and whatever. No and it's not dark sexy. side of the mountain. No, yeah. it's not that sexy. And it makes me crazy when these business experts, and I'm using bunny ears, where they're like, go burn your corporate bra, go start that alpaca farm that yeah. you've always wanted. And then or that everything will just be right with the world. cheese shop. Right. And you, just YOLO. And then it's... <laughs> You know, first of all, there's no shame in feeding your family. And sometimes it's more important to love what you do than do what you love, I think, if we're just keeping it real. Totally valid and very, very wise. We have so much tweeting to do. I know. Okay, wait. So my question, verbal, what? Carpal Carpal tunnel. tunnel. Oh, carpal tunnel. If you had to choose Mm. one course to teach, you just reminded me because when I was in school, there was no such thing as like a, entrepreneurialism like 101. It didn't even exist. It didn't exist. But if you had to create a course for college kids um, or a subject for 2019, what would it be? What would it be called and what would it focus on? Well, funny you ask, Zoe. I just launched <laughs> the moneyschool.com. <laughs> what? I said class. And now back to our show. It's a She's whole like, school. Let, let me tell She's you like, what I did. <laughs> it's a whole oh, money class. Adjunct here? <laughs> Yeah, I knew I did create the money school because there was such a void. Like I didn't the last person to talk about money, to give money advice, much less teach it 
to other people. I didn't think I'd be able to speak it myself. And so I saw that there was such a void. So yes, I did create the money school. That is a total plug. And the boss school that's coming out, it'll probably be out by the time you guys air this. And I have a lot of entrepreneurs come on and talk to me about some of the classes that they would teach because I try to do the B school that you actually need. Because even people that went to B school and all this stuff, they cannot do basic personal finance and can't practically run a business. Mm -hmm. The theories and the you know, Milton Friedman's of the world and like the whatever, that's not actually going to help in real life. And so some of the ones I'll borrow from some of the guest professors that I've had on the boss school, like Ali Webb did, um, from Drybar did, um, like How to Not Micromanage, which I thought was really cool. Rosie O'Neill from Sugarfina did How to Grow Without Paid Marketing, which I thought was awesome. So she, and then she also told me, and she always says she doesn't have money. They're doing great. It's like candies that are mm-hmm. adult candies. And but every time they ask her and her she started with her husband to pay for something like at a booth or you know $5,000 they're like, mm, "We don't have any money." They do, but they always say we don't have any money. Right. And it's amazing how many people then give things that had a perceived cost vote free. So I think that would be a good class. Yeah, how to get shit both free from yeah. people who have money. It's true. It's and all was, negotiable. Everything is negotiable. There was a guy I was dating a million years ago who went to Stanford Business School. And there was a class to some extent of going into different places and leaving with something for free. So going into a Starbucks or whatever, and then somehow talking your way into something. I think it starts that's with this. a great class. Let me talk to your manager. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Zoe has a I'll button. I'll tweet the CEO. <laughs> I have a right manager now. button. <laughs> I'll just keep. I'm going to need to speak to your manager. I'm going to speak to your manager. You know, just I'm walk in the door with that. Yeah. You're good. So we can send people to the money school online. Yeah. Yes. And it's how long is the program? The program is any amount of time it takes you to get through okay. the four hours of videos oh, okay. and worksheets mm-hmm. and quizzes and a whole community. And we also have a special code just for you bitches. <laughs> it's HTW50. That's awesome. And you get $50 off. Five zero. That's yeah. great. And so it's sort of a... It's a boot camp, but also a master class. Yeah. And so it, it takes the lessons from the books and expands on them because I think online education is growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. Who knows? This could be another failure of mine that I come <laughs> on the show later and tell you like, you know what I should have done with my online education endeavors before I started was, well, I'll find out. But I do think it's, you know, growing in it in a really significant way. And I wanted to put my stake in the ground. I think so. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I but know. I don't know. To learn a few things. <laughs> Maybe I'll audit. Fail miserably. <laughs> <laughs> audit away, girl. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being thank here. You, this is, I yeah. feel like there's so much more to dive so much into. More. We might have to come have you back for like volume yes, two. Yes, um, Over drinks. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we do that here. We do do we that We do here. a lot of that here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yes. Until yes. next time. Yes. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thank you, lovelies. This was fun. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.